Welcome, everyone, to issue 20 of the Paper Cuts podcast. Last week on the Paper Cuts podcast, we did nothing. So this week, we're going to tighten everything up. <laughs> I'm Dean DeFalco. I'm Evan Goldstein. I'm Dan Ryan. What? Oh, there's Why Dan. don't you do you, you really? <laughs> Come on. He just loves doing it now. What? No. I said it right. I said it right away. I, no, I swear I did. This time I was. You know what, Dan? You need to I get really better did. internet. There, there's like some sort of delay or something. I know, really. It's fucking clown shoes. Your, your internet just likes to piss us off. That's exactly the reason he's getting it does. a delayed thing. But anyway, let's get this started. Uh, I, I'm going to go today first, which I never do because I'm I'm the host and the host always goes last. But these guys said, Dean, it's your turn to go first. Blah, blah. So I'm like, okay, fine. Fine, Actually, it wasn't it wasn't blurred blur. It was blah to blah. Oh, oh, sorry. We're, sorry. I mean, come on now. I I apologize. Thank you. Um, uh, so I, I I read a couple books and I I was pretty pretty happy with both of them. I it wasn't like I was super ecstatic, you know, after I read them or anything. But I mean, they were good books. So I hope you guys go out and read them. And let's jump into it. The first book I read was Zombies vs Robots by IDW. This- Sounds like all sorts of cool. I don't know why I get a mental picture of zombies versus robots. It, it, it's exactly what you think it is. There's Yay. zombies shambling across a like desert plain and robots just shooting them down. Uh, basically, the book is um, about there is a nuclear war or yeah. It, yeah, there was a nuclear war that these robots ended up wiping out like the human human race and um all that's left is zombies. So they've come back to earth to I guess take out what's left and it's super interesting because you start finding out that it wasn't the nukes that gave uh like humans this undead like curse it was this portal that uh these these guys tried to open up into another dimension and unfortunately that other dimension was a zombie hellhole that just has an en- endless torrent of zombies coming out of it oopsie <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happens and then they're like oh no we'll stop this uh i'm going to build these robots that'll defend humans and robots and then the robot's like, nope, fuck you. Only going to defend myself. So he blows the inventor's head off and then just starts fighting zombies for, it's like 300 years or something. He's this ridiculous war robot. Uh, so it's it's this really like crazy book and it's all over the place because there's sort of two different storylines going on in it. Uh, the first storyline is what we're talking about right now where you figure out that these dumbass scientists opened this black hole into zombie land, and now it's just pouring out zombies and they can't close it. Uh, And then this other story is, uh, it's like a quick two or three page thing where it's this kid that uh, builds her own robot from the scraps of all these destroyed ones to defend herself uh, against the zombies and these other marauding robots. Uh, Like... what it is is she's like trying to hide from this one robot while uh, grabbing parts to build her own and literally right as she gets everything together and she's trying to get it to work you know it's having trouble it's like buzzing and like frying out she starts hitting it the bad robot kind of like kicks the door down and like has an uzi pointed in her face 
And then all of a sudden, giant robot fist through the bad guy's uh, face, and it was awesome. And then she's like, wow. And the robot goes, wow. <laughs> and, and, then, uh, and then she goes, friend. And the robot goes, friend. And I'm like, yep, best book ever. Ro- robot and me through the wasteland. I love it. It's it's a it's a pretty cool book, and again, I, I I sort of like the books that don't really tell you too much off the bat. Just gives you the basics, and it's like, cool. We'll explain the rest later on. And I I don't know, like just something something kind of makes me want to you know get ready for the next one. And I can start formulating you know ideas of what could happen. I really don't like getting too much out there because I feel like that sort of ruins you know any sort of uh, uh, need to check out the next book. So, yeah, I, I really liked the book. The art was good. Steve Niles, I believe, wrote this uh, book. Yes, Steve Niles and Chris Ryle, Anthony Dicedu? I, I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Dan, do you know how to say that? Anthony, like, D D I E C I D U E. It sounds French. Uh, yeah, let's go with Dicedu. Dicedu. I like the fact that we butcher creators' names every week. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Big shout-out to Anthony Dysadu if we fucked he up your name. His name is not that, so he has no idea who you're talking to. It's actually uh, it's pronounced Stephanie. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Cool, cool. Good to know. Good to know. Well, shout-out to Stephanie. Big listener of the show. <laughs> Big fan of the show, Anthony. Stephanie. <laughs> I was actually going to go with Xanadu but you guys might be a little too young to know what that is <laughs> you mean the gigantic monstrosity that they're building in New Jersey uh, no I was actually going before that the oh. amazing disco club where everybody was on roller yeah. skates that's fantastic yeah. uh, I do Sorry. know what you're talking about but only in stories <laughs> but... only in the tales of old <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I mean, the book was cool. I, it was it was great. The, I think the artists and the writers did a really good job trying to convey this feeling of desolation and hopelessness in the book. And really, you know, the only uh, real sentience in the book was this one robot that was sort of flying around, sort of telling the story of what happened beforehand. And I, I, I don't know. I liked the book. It was really cool. I'm excited to see what happens later on. But Dan had a differing opinion. So, Dan? Yeah, well, like I just <laughs> I, I hated it. <laughs> oh, this book sucks. No, um, I did like the book. I didn't love it. It's um, it, it's really something that that I think I would rather read as a like just sit down and read in trade. You know, like if it, if it's going to be a six issue series or whatever, like this is one that I think I would really prefer to just get the trade and read in one sitting. I I did really like the artwork. I thought the art was really good. I liked the the idea that zombies are coming basically from a portal, you know, to this hellish existence, and and because like the zombie thing is so overdone at this point. I mean, it's it's so overdone that this at least was yeah. There's going to be zombies, but there's a little bit of a different take on it, so that's pretty cool. Um, I did spoilers for uh, if you haven't read the book yet, the little drone robot that you were talking about dean like basically our our entry point into the story like i felt really sad when he got killed oh like yeah <gasps> pop pop in his face yeah the, the <laughs> yeah. war robot who's just like fuck you fuck you fuck you turns yeah, like to the he's... uh the drone and is like fuck you bam blows his fucking face off <laughs> he's given like he's given this little monologue like back to what appears to be humans on a ship somewhere and 
he's saying like, oh, the war robot has stopped firing. That's weird. But it's a good thing that he's not allowed to fire on robots. I should be. And then like the dialogue just cuts off and he explodes. Uh, like, that's like the, like when they kill the dog in a movie. Yeah. Aww. You're like, oh, man. I like. I was watching that. God damn it! <laughs> I don't know. I think the war robot has a really cool design, though. He's like super. He looks like a uh, like a war robot. He didn't look cheesy or anything, or you know, kind of stupid. I, I thought he looked really cool. Yeah, the the visuals were really cool. This this really isn't a like. You can tell that this is zombies versus robots. You hear that, and if you're pessimistic about things, then I suppose you could view that as like. Wow, that really sounds like it came down from editorial. Like some guy in a suit went, you know what the kids want today? Zombies and robots. Johnson, make it happen. Oh, God, was he smoking right? a cigar? Oh, of course he was. <laughs> zombies and robots. Um, but like Parker, <laughs> zombies and robots. <laughs> Photo away. Good, but you, you could really like, you can tell that, that that's not what this was. This is actually a story that, that the creators wanted to tell because there's, there's like effort put into the design these aren't just like the war robot is bigger than the other robots like it looks completely different there's there's some thoughtfulness here which i appreciate it but yeah i mean like i said i i would read this in trade and probably be excited about it sweet cool. sweet i'm i'm pretty excited that uh you you liked it at least a little bit i i, I understand what you're getting at you know the story kind of just Went on, went off, that was it. Uh, and I can understand trying to get the full story out of it would be a lot better than just, well, now you're fucking stuck for a month without anything, and you're just like, well, and then, you know, it was good, and then it just sort of dropped off, and now you're like, well, now what? I have a quick question about the art style. Now, I didn't get a chance to, to pick it up, to take a look at it, because I, you know, lazy. Um, when it comes to the, the robots, there are two, in my opinion, there are two styles of robot art there's what i call the organic robot and the uh, like uh, transformer style robot where the transformers are everything is all blocky and square and very very stiff this and was then... probably closer to transformers but okay. they were like in almost the vein of like something steampunky almost like very plate okay. metal you know it did, didn't really seem like uh you know, uh, like a Transformers type. It, they weren't that blocky. Like they were, they're very angular, but okay. uh, certainly wasn't organic by any any stretch. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, like these these weren't mechs. You know, like these weren't um, anime style mechs where you mm -hmm. look at it and you're like, that's not a robot. Like, there's no way that like you could tell that this thing was put together. If right. that makes sense. I got you. Okay. Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, if if you guys get a chance, pick up the book. Definitely worth it. I really enjoyed it. Dan even liked it, even though you know he says you should probably read it in trade, which is probably correct. I just am very impatient, and I will definitely pick <laughs> up issue two for this. So, regardless of going on to the next book, I read Evar Time Walker. Well, Evar Time Walker, since there's a comma there. So let me uh, let me get the. But the comma doesn't necessarily have to make you say the second word faster. <laughs> it did. It did. It said it. It's, in, it's now, smaller. It's put together. I'm it's doing Evar it. Time Walker. Like there's a pause. Nope. Okay. Nope. See, I read it as Ivar, but is I it, didn't I, read Ivar? It, so. I, I don't know. I, I I'll I'll say Ivar. I don't give a fuck. 
<laughs> Big fan of the show, Ivar. Sorry for butchering <laughs> your name too, buddy. Big fan of the show, fictional character who jumps through time. <laughs> totally listening to our podcast. I'd like to In think that happens. He's listening to issue 200. <laughs> you know what? Fingers crossed. Fingers wow, crossed. Wow, wholly optimistic, Batman. <laughs> Uh, this is done by the team that actually does Archer and Armstrong, Fred Van Lente, and Clayton Henry. And I I, I didn't hate the book. I just thought they <laughs> kind of revealed too much too quickly. Basically, it's about a, a time hopper who's trying to save the inventor of time traveling from a, uh, a huge evil that's coming about and uh, effectively getting herself like neutralized. Uh, before, you know, she can actually in- invent time traveling. So, you know, the story goes out, and it's really just kind of showing you, I guess, how the book's going to play forward. It's like, hey, here's time traveling. We're going to jump through wormholes, and now we're in the 16th century, and now we're in the 18th century, and now we're in the 25th century. This is the book. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It kind of seemed like a big sightseeing type thing. They, uh, Besides sort of the whole book harping on like oh my god dude dude i i invent time travel dude why did you take me away from that you fucked up my project dude and this time jumper guy is like yep yep i know i know i i fucked up i'm just trying to save you from you know the bad guys that are chasing us and they're called like prometheans or something crazy yeah. and they're from the fifth dimension and they can walk through time. That's how they travel. Instead of like us traveling by car, they travel through time. So it was a little hard to grasp at that point. But I mean, it did end with a really cool like twist. Uh, for a first issue, it was kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, I all right, okay, I guess we'll go that way. Spoilers, Dan, spoil it for everyone because you're good with spoilers. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the the scientist, the physicist, who invented "quote unquote" because she was stopped by by Ivar before she could invent it. But the physicist who invents time travel uh, ends up being the one who is in charge of these Prometheans, and like she apparently is really pissed off that Ivar is stopping her, and like is sending these minions back through time to get him to prevent him from stopping her, so she can, I don't know. I don't know if it was take over the world or what, but like she's it's, it's the bad guy. It's to rebuild guy. the world and also the image. good guy that, at the same time. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that that's what kind of threw me off. It's like this very the way they're yeah, explaining things sure in the guy. book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, the the way they explain things in the book is exactly how the plot sounds. Uh, like the the physicist, this this girl gets so confused by like I don't want to bump into someone because it could create a time paradox but you know it, what if I what if I don't do this and then you know what if what if this never happens and then I, she goes on like explaining for 10 minutes and she ends up confusing herself and that's really how the plot of this book works cuz I'm like if she's the bad guy still even though he stopped her from creating time travel wouldn't that neutralize her or like if if he told her about it and i'm like nope nope not getting into the that that question that line of questioning because i'll just confuse myself and then i won't want to read the book even more (laughs) okay Uh, look look listen listen this is the problem with time travel in any shape or form 
I'm, I will throw in Back to the Future as well, you know, the pinnacle of time travel stories. You cannot go back in time. You can't because that opens up every loophole, problem, error in a time travel story. You can only go from present to future and back to present because theoretically speaking, she is sending someone back into the past to stop something. Okay. Now, if that person succeeds and stops the time travel, she then doesn't have the ability to time travel. That's that what is, I'm saying. Like, I, I, <laughs> that I, I, is the giant. Now you can go future. <laughs> you can go ahead of yourself <laughs> <laughs> because you're still at a, at a break. That that's the problem with time travel stories. That's why I gave up on them after Back to the Future. Like I said, the pinnacle of time travel stories. When when you're when you're shooting backwards, like I'm gonna stop this guy from happening now that in turn could stop the ability to time travel which in turn you then can't go back to stop that guy follow what i'm saying yes yeah there's there's even a a panel like as dean was saying like where she's like well this could open up all these paradoxes and what about this and what about that and she's walking they end up on a on a uh like a british warship or it might have been a French warship. Um, I read like five books this morning to get ready for this, so it's a little <laughs> muddy. Um, but but as she's like, as she's walking around, she's like, I can't step on anything, I can't touch anything, and like the panel cuts down to her foot, and she's like, Come on, little weevil, don't let me step on you. That could be the thing that like sets off a whole chain of events. And you're right, like when you go back in time the in a butterfly story, effect, like it's just. It is. It's it's which it's, has been it's a, never it's a theory more... known as the butterfly effect. <laughs> which was a shitty Ashton Kutcher movie. Which is there's not, well okay, yes, but the theory still is, is it stands. <laughs> Who the fuck knows what that butterfly was gonna do? <laughs> True story. Right. So that's why I didn't enjoy the book, but uh, Dan, I, I mean, you, you said you liked the book a bit. You said you liked it a bit more than Robots vs. Zombies, so I, let me hear your side of it. Yeah, I actually, like, I really liked uh, this this Time Walker book. And, and the, the weird thing about the Valiant books that are coming out right now is that these are all characters that have existed since the early 90s. I mean, Valiant was around, like, they started in like 91, 92, something like that. I think I, I, time could be off a little bit. So Around then, yeah. Yeah. Ivar the Time Walker is not a new character. Like I, I was familiar with the old series. And I think that Valiant is doing a really, really good job right now of reintroducing all these characters kind of piecemeal. Like every couple of months, a new book is coming out and they're just adding to their mythology and doing a, a really solid job with it. And they've got really good creators on these books and i think what i liked about this issue in particular is that to me it really felt like the first episode of the rebooted doctor who in 2005 when with christopher eccleston when he pops out and rose is just like what the fuck is going on and he's just like trust me uh we'll get through this it'll be fine you'll like this felt very much like a a fun doctor who episode to me of jumping through time and and don't worry about like stepping on shit and like Ivar even says to to Doctor Neely in in this book he says you know because she's worried about creating paradoxes and he's like look you you watch too many movies that's not how it works and that's a good enough explanation for me because since time travel isn't a real thing 
I don't need to know how it actually works. Just tell me that that's not a problem. Well, okay, good. I'll go with it. When it comes to the, the Doctor Who time travel stuff, the only reason that works is because Doctor Who is a constant. Like, he is time travel. Right. So none of us go, well, why? He, what, what's the point of him going back? He could to change something. Like, But he's the constant. Every other time travel story, someone happens to stumble upon time travel. Like, oops, I created a DeLorean. Oops, I found this <laughs> mystical power to make my head shake and I can go back into the past. You know, it's that's Doctor Who is the only thing that has succeeded time travel wise because we don't look at it as really like time travel. It what timey wimey wishy washy. Well, in in defense of this book, timey wimey wibbly wobbly. I, I mean, the, this I I've Ivar guy is essentially Doctor Who for the most part. We don't know, you know, really how he you know found out about this, but he is mortal. From what I've read, he it does sound like he's immortal, and it does sound like he has a very good concept of how this time travel works. He is yeah, immortal, he's... or he is immortal? Immortal. Immortal. Okay. He is, he is one of, in the Valiant universe, there are the three immortal brothers that have been around since since before time itself. It's uh, Wait, Armstrong is... he, he... from Archer and Armstrong and uh, the Eternal Warrior. Those those three are are the immortal brothers wait he, okay. he's one of them yeah, Fuck! yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool now i like this book i changed my mind i like this book never mind okay i'm okay like and i i think because like one of my favorite books that comes out month to month and i don't think we've talked about it on the show but is archer and armstrong like that book is so goddamn good early on in that series it's, it's really when it awesome. launched a couple years ago like Ivar was in there and and Gillard was in there and like so if you've read the Archer and Armstrong book you already kind of know some of the backstory to to who these guys are and I I just like I really like the way that they're keeping their continuity together while still going off and telling really fun stories True Ooh. True. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it, it's not a terrible book. And now that I just had the epiphany that it's a tie-in <laughs> sort of to you know Archer and Armstrong and Eternal Warrior, I like it a little bit more. From mm. what I recall of the Valiant books, that they were all tied together in an, mm -hmm. an overarching universe. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a whether it be a different time period or whatnot, in some way, shape, or form, it does tie into the rest of the character base in, in their universe. Yay. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> Dan, what do you got? Uh, well, the two books that, that I wanted to talk about this week are the one in particular, The Wicked and the Divine, which is uh, an image book being put out by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McElvey. Is, it's kind of hard to talk about if you haven't read any of it because it's such an out there concept it's um basically the story is every like 90 years or so a pantheon of gods is reincarnated into the bodies of mortal uh, teenagers basically and these are not mm -hmm. like they're not any particular set of gods like amaterasu is one of them and lucifer is one of them and dionysus is one of them like, so the, he's pulling gods from all different types of mythologies. And once these gods are reincarnated into the bodies of these mortals, they live for two years. And then they're, and then they're gone for another 90. 
and the mortal body that they inhabited is also going to die in two years. So basically what you're left with is a group of superpowered teenagers that all of a sudden become the most popular people in the world. And like some of them are pop stars and like they have big pantheon conventions where people cosplay as them. And there's just, it's so, it's such an interesting take on like really what I think he's going for here. And, and I may be way off on this, but what it seems to me that, that Gillen is going for is really kind of examining our obsession with pop culture because if you think about it we as a society glom on to movies or or pop stars or whatever for about two years and then for all intents and purposes they might as well be dead to us after those two years is up you know every now and again you have you have a success story like justin timberlake is still relevant but nobody gives a shit about what the other guys in nsync are doing like nobody could give a fuck less you know <laughs> but it's true like you know what was it with joey i really feel bad because he is a he's a good listener here he, he's a friend of the show shout out to joey fatone there it is joey fatone <laughs> friend of the show like i care what joey's doing like i hope he's still got his edges done and like i hope his beard is perfectly manicured but you know like his you just topiary yeah well, and like even look at something like like fucking beard topiary. God damn it, that's funny. Um, even look at something like Twilight, which was what the biggest thing in the world for two or three years, and now nobody mentions it anymore. But that was the you, longest two or three years. Ever. Okay, it, it was it was intolerably long. And what's really great about this series is that Gillen is presenting these gods as those kind of whiny entitled intolerable douchebags that that a lot of times these this kind of pop culture obsessions become and it's like it's it's very heavy heavy music based which is just a a staple of of the gillen and, and mcelvey books like they did the phonogram series which is fucking excellent if you haven't read that but this book like i read it every month and half the time I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, this is so weird. And so it's so dense, but so, so good. Like, I, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. But this is not something where you're just like, oh, issue seven's out. I'll just see if I can jump into this story. You cannot just jump into this story. You, this is one of those ones where issue one, you've got to read this all the way through or else you are going to be so goddamn lost. Interesting. And... I, the writing is is super solid like gillen is is so talented he's so good and and mcelvey's artwork is i love it like I, it's not for everybody it's not superhero artwork certainly it's not capes and pouches which i know you're a fan of evan but this is this is true i am a fan of the <laughs> um it is certainly is the, not the capes and pouches but I did, I did take a look at it, and the um, has the colorist been the, the a constant on the book? Yes. Hello. Yeah, the color. The, yeah, sorry, you were breaking up there for a second. I'm I'm having terrible connection right now. But yes, the coloring has been consistently good throughout the book as well. The and, and see, like that's where I the art style itself is. I I did like I you know when I do look at different art styles that aren't capes and pouches, I it does seem very you know realistic type art it was that the coloring for me 
like we discussed with the the shadow <laughs> it, it just it it seemed to flatten mm-hmm. everything which i i felt there wasn't enough depth to things mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and unfortunately for me i'm i'm a simple guy if if the the art isn't up to my snuff i sort of lose it on the story so you're saying that this is such a dense story it would be it would be painfully difficult for me to to work my way through seven issues so yeah yeah it, it would like the the art you you're right there is a definite flatness uh to it i and i think it probably is due to the coloring the coloring is very very soft in mm-hmm. the book um i like it really because this is very much an aesthetic that they are going for um but but yeah no i, I can totally concede that point thank you i guess <laughs> <laughs> i mean the other the other really interesting thing to me about this book is that Gillen has come out and said that he plans on writing this for between like 30 and 60 issues, which there's a lot of wiggle room in between 30 and 60. There's and exactly I, I... 30 issues in between that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, you for the math. Thank you. Appreciate if you it. want to be You're technical about it, but, but yeah, like it's, I'm really curious to see where this book goes. Like I would, I would very much, recommend picking up the first trade paperback and and jumping on from there like if you don't like the first trade i like i this isn't a book that's going to change over time and be like oh this might be something to revisit in a little while and maybe you'll like it like this is a a love it hate it kind of book i happen to love it though fantastic sounds good dan what's your other book well the other book i read was lumberjane and lumber drains is lumber being put drains. Out, Whoa, dr- lum- <laughs> lumber Janes, like instead of lumberjacks. It's lumber <gasps> oh, I understand it now. There you go. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's being put out by Boombox, which is an imprint for Boom Studios, and and Boom does a lot of, um, as we've talked on the show before, a lot of cartoon style books. Like a lot of their books look look like scott pilgrim and you know that sort of uh that sort of art style and lumberjanes is no different and what it is it is a a book about a group of girls that were attending a summer camp and it was originally only supposed to be a mini series but it's been so successful that it is just now an ongoing until they're done with it um but there there's a group of girls that were going to a scout camp and when they get to this camp there's a bunch of like weird supernatural shit that happens to them and like a bunch of weird creatures and like they reference hunting the chupacabra and they got a badge for like discovering what the chupacabra was and like just <laughs> That's all cool. this crazy I like that shit theory. That, yeah yeah like there's just all this crazy stuff that happens to these girls and issue 10 which came out this past week is uh sort of a fill-in issue it's the first arc is over you know they've gone on all these crazy adventures and the girls are just kind of hanging out at the camp for just a free day and they're they're looking through their scout book and they're like you know we don't have any like regular bad badges we don't have any like helping an old person across the street badge and you know making something out of a stick like we don't have any of these regular badges. <laughs> so <laughs> a group of them stick art <laughs> yeah yeah you know i don't know i didn't go i'm not a boy scout i don't know um so a group of them decide that they're going to spend the day trying to get some of these regular badges and and there's some funny dialogue that goes on between them and being bored at camp and that sort of thing but the main crux of this issue 
is two of the two of the campers go out on a a picnic date and as they're out on their date they see this woman who is the bear woman and the reason she's called the bear woman is because she can change into a bear and they decide to follow her and they follow her to a magical oh, damn, outhouse. I was hoping that she was going naked <laughs> no 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 um she's old and kind of crusty looking um they follow her to this magical outhouse and like there there's a brief conversation of don't open that door because the last time you opened that door a bunch of raptors came pouring out i'm like no 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 it'll be fine it'll be fine so they open the door and they end up getting sucked down into this like mystical portal and there's a bunch of dinosaurs around and the bear woman ends up saving them and they're the issue ends with her saying like i hope you guys didn't have any plans because we are going to be stuck here for a long long time and like it's just it's such a a and i don't use this word lightly it is such a whimsical adventure story like it is it's everything that that great cartoons and like just imaginative storytelling should be the the writing is is super super good the artwork is very cutesy and very cartoon style, but it, it's just an excellent, enjoyable book to read month after month. Um, it's created by by Grace Ellis and Shannon Waters, which is nice because this is a this is one of those books that should be higher up on everybody's list, not just because it's female creators, but you know you read a bunch of articles that will say things like "There's just not female creators in comic books." Well. There is, and they're doing really, really good work. It's just they're not writing Superman. You know, they're right. they're doing their own stories, and they're awesome and deserve to be looked at. True story. True beautiful, story. Beautiful. I mean, uh, just point one really good one out there. Gail Simone is probably one of the most notable uh, women writers out there right now, and uh, she does ridiculously awesome work. She did a really good job on um Batwoman, right? She did. Like there was Batwoman. Excellent right. job. Yeah. The Batgirl, yeah. It was a Batgirl or Woman? Yeah, Batwoman is uh J. H. Williams. She was she was on both for a while. I believe pre fifty two she was on uh Batwoman and then when it restarted, uh they put her on Batgirl. Interesting. Yeah, she did an awesome run on Birds of Prey and and oh, that's she's what it was, doing Red Sonya right now. Yeah, she's she's doing it's, an it's awesome weird. run when it, on Sony right now. When it comes to female writers, that they they seem to consistently put them with female characters, which I would like to see a mm -hmm. a a Gale, Gale style writer work on a male character, like a you know a Batman. I mean, that's a deep brooding character that's got a lot of depth. Which you know, I'm not saying take over Superman, but I would I would love to see a take on a female perspective on a, a story like that. I, yeah, I, I don't I, see I would why too. not, but and, I, I mean, I, I think part of it is, you know, the comic industry isn't exactly the, uh, the most accommodating place either. True. Yeah. But two more things just to kind of end this up. And if, if you're not sold on the book yet, two things that might sell you on the book, the name of the camp that the girls attend is the Miss Quinzella uh Thisquin Penequequil Thistle Crumpets Camp for Hardcore Lady Types. <laughs> Can you spell that please? <laughs> no. I think my I girlfriend cannot. would want to go there if she heard that. <laughs> and the end of uh the end of the first eight issues um has a track listing for a mixtape 
that has been prepared by one of the characters in the book itself, which is awesome. Like and it's, just a, it's kind of, real music? Yeah, like you can just go listen to it, you know, like go find the songs and it's very cool. <laughs> sort of like what, li- listening to Dark Side of the Moon while watching The Wizard of Oz? Really? We're just, everyone's just gonna go into silence there. I Dan yeah. Dan awkwardly went into silence. I just didn't know what to say. <laughs> nice. No, I I couldn't hear you. I heard bit. That's like that's what that's I, what heard I said. Just then. So I'm but gonna that's... agree. Oh, okay. Then in that case, yes, totally. <laughs> oh. Well, Evan, glad we yeah. found out you're a muppet today. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Uh, so, what have so you read? Uh, all right this this week I decided to to review a trade. I don't think I've done that yet. Um, I had the joyous pleasure of actually going to a a signing yesterday at the the store was called Eastside Mags in Madison. Nope, in Montclair. Great little store, really nice owners, it, and brand new. Check them out. Um, but I got the, the, the ability to meet the writer of the book Five Ghosts from Image. His name is Frank J. Barbary. Cool dude. Not going to lie. I saw his stuff that was laid out on the table. And I said, you know what? I haven't read any of Five Ghosts. Let me, let me check out the first trade. Um, first trade is the first five issues of the run. And... Normally when I read a book, I try to take as many notes as I possibly can so I don't have to look back into the book. And that usually ends up in my little book being at most a page. I'm like four or five pages in and it didn't feel like I read seven or eight or nine issues. I mean, this book trucked through the story. It was fantastic. I kept turn page turning and page turning. It was it just kept me engrossed the entire time. Um Basis of the story is there's a gentleman by the name of Fabian Gray, and he is, in all intents and purposes, a treasure hunter. Um, something happened in the past, and he is now imbued with the powers of five literary characters. Now, the problem that I had was they don't name the characters within the first five issues. They do these little ghostly silhouettes of them, so I am guessing... At them, I don't know if like they have the rights for these names, but I'm guessing it is what they are calling the Archer. A very good resemblance to to um, Robin Hood, the magic based character, which is I'm looking at um, maybe Rasputin or um, the dude from King Arthur's Court, uh, the detective Merlin. Merlin, thank you. Uh, the detective, which is obviously Sherlock Holmes. Um, the vampire, which there's only really one vampire of, of note, which is Dracula. It wasn't Blade? No, it was not Blade. <laughs> it wasn't the Half-Blood. Um, and then there's the samurai. For the life of me, I can't remember a single samurai's name out of literary, literary world. The, the unfortunate part is the, art, the author told me his name, <laughs> and I can't remember. I, I, you know, I heard it with half an ear because I was like, oh, I'll read the book and I'll pick up on it then. No, wasn't in there. But the first five issue arc is is all set up on how what's going to happen in, in the rest of the run or who he is, what his storyline is, what's going on. 
just to get you engrossed into this story. It is definitely of the pulp comic feel, which apparently I'm on some sort of kick with as of late. Um, the characters that are showing up, like the classic names, like I like they have a, a guy, a bad guy in there named Yago, and I saw it and I was like, Yago, I know. Oh, that's the bird from from you know Aladdin, who is just like that character is the henchman. Like, it's the, the stereotypical henchman, and he's hunting down Fabian. Fabian's got these powers that he can't control, and what ends up happening when he does try to use his powers is he just takes the best qualities of one of the spirits. So, like, the the archer, he has amazing accuracy skills. The the magician, he could do magic. The warrior, he's a, a fantastic fighter. The detective, he just, he just problem solves real quick, like. The... Monster or the vampire is the most problemsome from him because it takes him over completely and he just kills anything in front of him. So, like, he gets at one point in time, uh, he is captured by a group of people or a group of savages, and he it, he uses the vampire and end up killing everybody, but almost turning on his his partners. Because he, at this point, he can't really control them very well. Um, I don't want to give all of the story away. He does get captured, gets rescued, gets taken to Shangri-La, which was a beautiful representation of it. The art was stunning. Um, there's giant spiders. Uh, what else? What else was good and notable about it? The... The mythos behind the whole thing is that there's these these what they call dream stones where these stones absorb the 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 magic of our past literary creations. So there's apparently a bunch of them, good, bad. Um, what the pro his is inside of inside literally inside of his chest, and it's eating him away. So it's it's a very like arc reactor Iron Man type of situation where it's saving him and at the same time hurting him. Um, in one of the major battles, he is uh, he attempts to use his powers. Every time he uses his powers, it sort of knocks him out. And he, like most of you know, like the third issue, he was unconscious. Um, whilst at Shangri La, they take him to the 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 springs of rejuvenation. It's, you know, it's one of those Lazarus Pit type of setups where he has to, once he's in, inside of this spring, he has to go through five trials. And each one of the trials is attached to one of his spirits. And if he passes the trial, he'll be able to control the power better. Um, real simple stuff, it seemed like. Uh, you know, Robin Hood, he had to figure out how to save an animal and, and defeat another one. Um with the the Sherlock one was what to do and he ends up at uh you know 221 B Baker Street like all he did was walk through a doorway um samurai was fighting merlin was uh, solving a riddle uh dracula was the, the 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 seeing behind the veil of of lies that the vampire you know the classic style vampire presents to his mortal victims and he succeeds. He passes all the trials, comes out of the pool, and just kicks ass. And we we find out that he is doing all of this 
searching and 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 hunting for the the answers because his I'm assuming it's his twin sister because there was this visualized representation of you know the fertilization of an egg and it's splitting into two fetuses and then they show the human forms and it's the two of them now they haven't like there's very little names given to lock you into characters but you're just sort of picking up on details here and there um apparently his sister is something happened where she's unconscious and, and that involved the the dream stones so he's literally just going from place to place now trying to find the answers to save his sister um with this little visit to shangri-la he's now in control of the powers that were given to him from the the dream stone so it's it it ends there at the true beginning of his journey. I I it was amazingly enthralling. Like I was sunk in. I read this twice in less than a day because I read it once through like blew through it and I'm like, "Wow, that was really good. I got to go back and and get all of the details so I can understand this and actually talk about it." And when I went through <laughs> Again, blew through. I was enthralled. I mean, like it. I didn't lose anything on the second reading, which usually happens. Like you have such a, a, a when you read a story, you have such a, a positive view on it, and then you read it again, and then you find little, pl- you know, plot holes and stuff like that. I didn't see any of those. Um, top it all off, I'm gonna say the perfect pulp art I've ever seen. Coloring, art, lines, inking, shadows, everything was perfect, and there was two or three different color styles to represent um good evil and what would most likely i had called like a, a dreamscape like anytime they're sort of giving backstory it's in a dreamscape setup so it, it was clearly defined you knew what you were what part of the story that you were reading you knew where the information was coming from um all in all i highly recommend it it was really really good and if i'm not mistaken it's up to issue 14 now the first trade is one through five. I think the second trade is another seven issues, and issue fifteen comes out in February. Well, you sold me on the book, man. I want to read it now. I, I, I really. It was one of the best books I've read in a, quite a while, and I don't, and I don't want to. I can't say if I had read this in single issues, if I would be as enthralled. I did get a full arc, and I, I a lot of times the the single issue and the the trade arc like there's you get a different feel for the story what i'm my you know what i'm going to end up doing is getting the next trade get myself caught up and then start going issue by issue and then once i get caught up i'll try to review it again to see if i'm still as involved with the story as i am now but right now i mean like five stars two snaps in a circle type of (laughs) really really good did um is the you said you talked to Barbieri, yes. the the writer? Mm-hmm. Was is the samurai character uh, Musashi, Miyamoto Musashi? That's a very good. You know what? It was a name like that, but I'm pretty sure all samurais have names like that. <laughs> well, because like in like if it's Merlin and Robin Hood and Sherlock and like these these kind of famous characters throughout history, some of them literary, mm-hmm. some of them arguably not literary. Um, Musashi is like one of the most prominent like legendary Japanese samurais like it, it's Musashi and Muramasa who would Okay, been, see like, now like two... if, if if you heard both of those names with half an ear, how would you be able to differentiate between them? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Yeah, it, it, yeah. No, it is. It, it is. A, that's a fair point. It is very. It's a high likelihood that it is one of those two. The fact is, it doesn't matter because just because right. I didn't know who the character was or the base character was, it didn't take anything away. What I saw was a beautifully rendered visual of it. The 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 story just like yes, this is exactly what he's supposed to be doing. It was well done. It didn't even it didn't matter whether it was Sherlock. You figured out well. I you saw you knew it was Sherlock because of the damn pipe and the f- freaky hat. But, the deer stalker cap. Yeah. the The fact of the matter is, is you figured out even if they didn't show the classic visual representation of Sherlock, you're like, okay, this is the guy who does problem solving. Got it. So it's. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be Merlin. It's a magic user. It doesn't necessarily have to be Dracula. It's a vampire. Because you get the, when, uh, when, he's, when he's using those powers, he gets the fangs. He gets the bloodthirst. He, you know, it's vampiric. Um, <laughs> the, the, the archer, I mean, it, the, the, the visual, it looked like uh, Green Arrow. But I know Green Arrow comes from, you know, Robin Hood. No, totally know. Green right. Arrow. Green Arrow came first. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this sounds like a book where it's like, so this guy gets the powers of Green Arrow, Zatanna, Batman, uh, Blade, and, well, Dracula, I suppose. Because fuck the originals. Blade, Blade, you got Dracula. Who did we miss? The samurai. Blade would be the samurai. Oh, you'd go, okay. Wow. All right. I would go, like, Kung Fu. What's that? Uh, Shang-Chi. Shang Chi <laughs> would go kung fu like Hong Kong Fooey. Is that yes. what you said? Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> All right, before we go any more off the rails, Aaron, why don't you? Aaron, Jesus Christ, who's Aaron? I don't know. Jesus, shout dude. out to Aaron, big fan of the show. Evan, why don't you kind of tie us in here and uh, you know let us know a little bit more about the Garden State Comic Fest? Oh, Garden State Comic Fest, July twenty fifth and twenty sixth, Morristown, New Jersey, at Menin Arena. I actually just did a hit up at the Kubert Art School to talk to all the students there, and a bunch of those kids are interested in, in signing up for tables, which is something that I'm very proud of. I love to see new artists get out there, and this is the type of show that they they really could su- succeed at and strive at. Um, it's going along. It's trucking. I mean, tables are filling up as f- shockingly quickly. Um, I'm going to say probably by the end of February we'll be full up and then start working on our backup list. So... First off, if you want to be a vendor or an artist, hit us up on Facebook or, or our, our website at you know, GardenStateComicFest.com. All the information is there, links for our Twitters and the Facebooks. And if you want to be a customer, you want to come on down to a fantastic convention, July 25th and 26th, Morristown, New Jersey, Men in Arena. Be there or be an octagon. <laughs> Because four sides weren't enough. Now you're fucking eight sides of stupid. <laughs> and there's your show, your show title. Eight, eight sides, sides of stupid. stupid. <laughs> if you're an artist that's coming down to the, uh, to the, to the comic fest, uh, make sure you're practicing your uh, Moon Knight and Sleepwalker drawings because, uh, <laughs> well, those will be the two most popular things requested, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they will. <laughs> is that is that part of what people have to pay you to sign up, Evan? Like, no, so I it's don't twenty make bucks it, for a I... table and a Moon Knight drawing. 
<laughs> I don't make it a necessity, <laughs> but I hint very, very hard. <laughs> very, very strongly. I have a shirt that says, draw me fucking Moon Knight, asshole. <laughs> yes, it's true. Well, okay. <laughs> Listen, you gotta do what you gotta do. When you have a, a position of power like myself, you have to take advantage of it. That is so that not I, true. <laughs> not for nothing. I think when we start selling merchandise for the uh, for the website and for the podcasts, uh, draw me fucking Moon Knight asshole would be a great t-shirt for us to sell. <laughs> they, would, they would go like hotcakes. Do hotcakes really sell that much? They're still on the McDonald's menu all these years later, so I would imagine there's, you know. Uh, the never-ending question, there. do hotcakes really sell? I, I was, is, I was are curious. things as great as sliced bread? <laughs> How great is sliced bread? I, I believe there are better things than sliced bread in this universe, so I would not be the man to ask that question to. All right, dude, give us the spiel. If you'd like to check out any of the books that we were talking about or check out any of our social links, remember to check the show notes below. That's right. If you want to check out anything we were talking about at all or even send us an email, remember to check the show notes below. I believe we're done for the day, as I can't speak anymore, and Evan and Dan are laughing at me. It's with you, sir. Of course. We, it's with you. Of course. No, it's not. Uh, no. Okay. Shh. Well, from all of us at the Paper Cuts Podcast, never stop reading your comics, and don't stop believing. Bo, 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 bo. Well, wow, is that really what we're going with from now on? Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.